May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When, my, when our daughter was five years old, or thereabouts, I decided I was going to teach her how to play the game Old Maid, which some of you may know. It's also sometimes called Odd One Out. Now, she knew how to play lots of card games at that point and routinely beat us at Uno and Go Fish and whatever else she knew how to play. So I decided I was going to teach her this game Old Maid. And the way that you play, or the way that I've always played, is you take four of the queens, you take four queens, you leave three to the side, and you include one in the deck. Then you deal out the deck to the two players, so one person ends up with the queen. You then proceed to pick cards from one another, forming books of cards, and putting them to the side, and gradually your hands dwindle down so you only have a few cards left, and the goal is to be left with no cards, empty hands. The person with the queen of spades, which is the card that my family always left in, the queen of spades, that person lost if she had the queen of spades. And the person who won had empty hands. Now, for a five-year-old, this was a, sounded like I was changing the rules on her, because isn't the special card the one you're supposed to want? And don't those books that you put to the side, aren't they worth counting? Isn't that how we measure whether you've won or not? And so she didn't like the rules that I had told her were the rules. She thought I had messed up, and so she took matters into her own hands and decided to play the way that she wanted to play. And so she hoarded the queen. So what she would do is, and she would fan out her cards for me, but she would tuck the queen in on one side so I wouldn't pick it or she would nudge me to kind of pick from the other side where the queen wasn't. And of course, if I got the queen, she would, with an eagle's eye, follow exactly where I put it in my deck, and then quickly snap it back and put it in hers. And then when the game was over, when I was left with no cards and she was holding the queen, she would then dutifully count up all the books that she had collected as if they mattered, but of course they didn't. Standing there with empty hands was how you won the game. When I went to look up this game on Wikipedia, it turns out it's played all over the world, and in some places, they actually focus on jacks. So they pull out three jacks, leaving one of the jacks in a club or a spade. And in Germany, the game is called Black Peter, which leads me to today's reading. We have Peter making this incredible declaration, the first human being when asked, who do you say that I am, Peter responds, you are the Messiah. Peter says these words, the first person. And Jesus gives them the first passion prediction, that the Messiah will be arrested, will be beaten, will be rejected by the elders, will be tried and killed, and then will rise again. And to Peter, this sounds like Jesus is changing the rules of the game. This is not the Messiah that Peter is expecting. It's not the Messiah he wants. In first century Palestine, the Jews were expecting a Messiah who would be like a king with kingly power, military power, political power, would build up walls to protect the people, would go vanquish the neighboring tribes and peoples and nations 
would hang out with the wealthy and the powerful, and would feed and take care of those who were lesser, but those weren't his people. The Messiah they were expecting was going to live a long and prosperous life. But that's not the Messiah Jesus is telling them they're getting. They're getting the Messiah. We got this Messiah who suffered, who broke down walls, didn't build them up, who vanquished with love and compassion and justice and mercy, not with swords. We got a Messiah who hung out with those who were outcast, not with the wealthy and the powerful, and the Messiah who suffered and did not live a long and prosperous life. And you have Peter pushing against Jesus' narrative. He's got his own story that he wants to be the real story. And he's, betwixt, he's between these two narratives, the human narrative, the human things, the human story that says this is the kind of Messiah we need and want and should be getting, and God's story. Jesus right in front of them saying, no, I am your Messiah. This is my story, a different story. And so the rules seem like they've changed. Peter doesn't know what to do. He's confused. He, gets re he rebukes. He gets rebuked back by Jesus. And in that moment, there begins, as you might imagine, something that could develop. When you're confused and even disillusioned, the old way of being doesn't make sense anymore. And yet you haven't fully embraced the new way of reality. And you see Peter in this tension between the old and the new, the Messiah he thought he wanted and the Messiah he was getting. And so we might call this disillusionment, disenchantment, a moment of confusion that results in disappointment because he hasn't fully embraced the new reality, because he hasn't fully let go of the old reality, the one he's committed his life to that no longer works, no longer represents what is out there. It sounds a little bit like you and me maybe right now. The old reality, the one we thought we were going to be living into this fall, didn't have the pandemic. The new reality, the one we are actually living into, is not what we had expected or hoped for or wanted in any way. And it's hard to embrace. I know that for myself. We didn't think we would be sending kids back to school with masks on, wondering if they would be safe. We didn't think we would be limiting our vacation plans because of the pandemic, or our outings to see concerts or shows. We didn't think that we'd be wondering if our small business or our neighbor's small business would actually make it. We didn't think we'd be fighting proxy war, political wars about masks and vaccines. That's not the reality we had hoped for or expected, and yet it is the reality we are living into. And I don't know about you, but I am reluctant to fully embrace that. I wish that there were a different reality, but indeed, there isn't. The old reality, the one that we committed ourselves to, where the program year starts with a full church of everybody singing without their masks, that's not where we are. And it's not just the pandemic. It's refugees. It's climate change and natural disasters, and it's just regular living. It's heavy. There's a lot going on. And so the moment of feeling like the rules have changed and we haven't caught up is real. And, it, and it, we begin to feel like Peter where there's confusion and potentially disillusionment and disenchantment and disappointment. 
And what Jesus offers us here is the way through this, a way through this. What he says as he keeps going in this gospel where he's teaching the disciples is he says, those who will save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it. And so to lose our lives here means to peel away the expectations and the hopes and the the conventional definitions of success and all the labels and what we think we know about God, what we think we know about ourselves and others. To peel all that away is to lose ourselves in this moment. Peel that away and what we're left with are empty hands not holding the queen of spades, not counting the cards that we've collected. We're left with empty hands, and in that space, Jesus can enter, bringing us new life, the life that he saves for us. Because if we lose all those preconceptions, that old reality, we can welcome in the new reality that is Jesus' message of love and compassion and mercy and justice, and peace, and out of that grows hope. It's not to say the pandemic or everything else doesn't exist. They do. We are told we will carry our cross, whatever that looks like for you. What it means is that we approach it with new life, with strength and courage to take that next step, to pick up that next card, to play the new game by the new rules that is Jesus' story, the narrative of God unfolding around and in and through us. The kingdom of heaven around and in this mix is what we can begin to see with the new life that we are offered when we stand there with empty hands, once we've peeled away all the old human story that no longer works. And when we embrace the new divine story that is the story of hope that we can live into. So it's hard to understand that the special card, that queen of spades, doesn't mean anything. It's hard to understand that the books of cards that are our life that we've collected aren't what we're supposed to be counting. Instead, we stand there with empty hands ready to receive Jesus' story This is the Messiah, the one who saves us when we lose our life to let him save our life. This is what it means to lose lose the cards, leave them there, and approach Jesus with empty hands so that he may fill them with the new life that is God's kingdom coming near and gives us hope to take that next step. Amen.